On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we talked to someone who won the Around the Bay race on Sunday, in her category anyway, which was the only person in her very unusual category. You're going to want to hear this. And Donna Robertson joins us to talk Leafs, women's hockey, and for some confessions. Stick around till the end for the confessions. It's a good one. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. My first guest tonight... Well, first of all, before I get to that, you know that yesterday was the Around the Bay race. Thousands of people, 125th anniversary of the of the Around the Bay race. Thankfully, thankfully, the snow came on Saturday. Imagine if they'd had to run in that snowstorm, because it was ugly snow, too. Like, really heavy, wet, sticky snow. Thankfully, it was mostly just decoration by the time Sunday morning rolled around. But my next guest, my first guest tonight, won the Around the Bay race yesterday. Well, the backwards running category of the Around the Bay race. She finished first uh, and last. I think she probably was the only contestant, best I know, who ran the entire 30 kilometers backwards, finishing in a time of 3 hours, 22 minutes, and 54 seconds, which forwards, backwards, doing crossovers, doesn't matter. That's a remarkable time. Uh, you may have read about her in The Spectator the other day. If you didn't, let me introduce you to Kat Cluley, who joins me now. Kat, how are you today? Fine, how are you doing today, Scott? Well, I'm probably feeling better than you, or at least your legs, I would think. Yeah, actually the back of my body. So my calves, uh, all the way up to my triceps. I feel like I'm walking a little funny today, that's for sure. Well, you were running a little funny yesterday, and that's not meant as an insult. That's a compliment, because you were the only one doing this. Um, let's get into this a little bit because you did run for those who don't know and and think we're joking. You really did run the entire, every single step backwards, right? You sounded like pretty much everyone that I ran backwards past. I, as you know, I'm running backwards and people are, I'm have direct eye contact with those running forward. And literally the question of the day was they would take out their earpiece or like make eye contact with me and say, are you doing this whole thing backwards? And so my uh, spotter, Lee, and I, like, after the 20th question of the same question, just kind of was like, yep, <laughs> yep, that's pretty much what we're out here to do today. What, what is the look on people's face when you come up beside them and you're facing yeah. the opposite way? Um, joy, uh, like, astonishment, kind of just like, I don't know, like, you know, what a craziness. There's a lot of terms, I'm sure, that came into people's heads. Because see, yeah. if you're if they're passing you, if they're going faster than you, they've seen you already. So they, when they get to you, they're aware of you. I'm thinking more of the ones that you're catching uh, up to. So you're now coming into their line of vision. So backwards, you're going faster than they are forwards. They're the ones I'm thinking are going. What is going on? Yeah, kind of like uh, you're putting me to shame, cat. What are you <laughs> doing? I even um, when we came across areas that had music. Um, so at the bottom, right before you go up Heartbreak Hill, we will rock you. And here I am singing, and then Lee goes to be my spotter. So not only are you running backwards, but you're singing while you're running backwards. So what are you going to do next, juggle? And? I don't know. There is juggling up there, but uh, I don't know if I'm up for that. I have to learn to juggle first. Well, there is backwards running, obviously. There is juggling and running. Is there juggling backwards running? Is that an actual event? Yeah, as soon as I do it. Very slowly, but, you know, he did cross um, uh, cross the uh, finish line in a marathon, juggling backwards. Tell me, wh- okay, uh, why do you run backwards? Those who don't know the story, why do you do this? Because it is, it is weird. It is unusual. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, so about 2014, 2015, I was out for a forward run with my dog, Vanilla. 
and uh, we were running along the lake shore in Burlington, and she slowed down because it was in the summer. Um, and so to keep my eye on her, I turned around and just started running backwards and encouraged her, um, making eye contact with her, and we um, sustained that for about 10 minutes. And so that's how it started, literally just out for a, a Saturday afternoon run with the dog and went home and Googled it. And if you actually Google backwards running, um, it's a an actual sport and it's called retro running. So I just, I was like, wow, this is a thing. And uh, it's a sport in Europe. Um, and there's been a world championship um, in Europe. Every two years they run it. And um, so it's going into its eighth, eighth year. What was it, though, about the experience of that time along the Burlington waterfront? What was it about running backwards that made you go home and Google it? That it felt comfortable and natural to me, um, and that I felt like it was something that I could do. Like, to, to, like, if you try it, if you go out and try backwards running, most people would say that doesn't feel good. Like, 10 seconds, you're either your you're balance is off your equilibrium, yes, yes. or you don't feel comfortable, you feel like you're going to fall. I don't know. I felt very comfortable and kept going. And um, so then I thought, well, this is not my life. Um, and I think I attribute that now that I think back is to my um, childhood growing up playing soccer. And I was a goalkeeper. So I have a skill base of a um, plyometric skills. And as a goalkeeper, and I was a referee. And actually, you think about this, referees run forward, backwards, sideways, sort of goalkeepers. So I already had that skill set. And so it was just a matter of thinking, okay, this could be a sport, right? So I had the base, and so that's why I felt really comfortable doing it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're talking with Kat Cluley, who was one of 6,500, 7,000 people who ran the Around the Bay race yesterday, but best of my knowledge, the only one who ran all 30 kilometers backwards and just before the breakout we were talking about how you got into this how you stumbled really into running backwards when you then decided you look it up on google you find out that it's a real sport and you decide you want to try this in a race Mm -hmm. uh what did you do so i was already signed up for road to hope so that would have been in the summer road to hope is uh, november 5th that year um and i know the race director um esther um and gord um and uh Sorry, Esther and Paul. And so I literally um, contacted them and say, hey, look, I'm signed up for your race, but there's a sport called retro running. I'd like to give it a shot at your event. Um, I'll make sure that I have a spotter. So that was the next task is to, well, first off, train, and then second off, find a spotter. Um, thankfully, my sister um, came in from Ottawa, and she cycled as my spotter. Um, and I'm thankful that um, the race directors allowed me to do that at their event, and they allowed me then as well in 2017 to run their event as well backwards. So I've done the Road to Hope backwards twice. So your first race after Mm -hmm. you decided to start running was a marathon? Yeah, go big or go home. Uh, How how far into that one were you saying to yourself, maybe I should have worked up to this? I wasn't really. I'm an ultra runner, so I have the endurance and stamina. Uh, I also felt like I had the mindset to challenge my body because, um, as you know, an ultra event over 20 hours, so I I had that um, advantage. And then just running backwards, it was just a matter of training. I did a lot of training on the track. Um, the track is safe, and you can run alone on the track. You don't need a spotter. You use the lines. Um, and then I hit the um, the country roads and ran out there as well and then had a great spotter my sister. So it was easy-peasy after that. 
I was watching a video of a guy uh, today or yesterday who was also a backwards runner. Have no idea yeah. who he is, but okay. he had a really what I thought was a really interesting view on the psychology of running backwards. He says that running backwards is actually easier because rather than looking ahead and seeing how far you have to go, you're always <laughs> looking at how far you've come, which is a constantly uplifting thing. Is that true? Yeah, I actually done around the bay forward several times, and this was the first time I got to see it from the opposite direction. And it was a great experience, a new experience. Um, and you're right, actually, um, Lee, my spotter, who I do want to t- uh, mention that I'm so thankful for him. He uh, volunteered to be my spotter. Um, thanks to you for posting the article in the spec. Um, but anyways, um, he would say hill coming up, but I wouldn't have known that. And then I felt like the hills were easier because I didn't know when they ended. So I didn't, you know, I just knew there was an incline and that was it. And then going down, it's same as down the hill, you know, Heartbreak Hill and everything, even going down and up with cell towers, it felt easier because I didn't see it. You, uh, you've done a bunch of these now. This is not, again, I mean, you did the marathon and it's not, this is not the next one you've done. You actually hold the world record in the marathon, the half marathon, the 10K, the 5K and the 800 meters, right? All of those? Correct. Do you know, is there a world record in the 30K? No, I think that was the first time. And uh, the next challenge is 50K, going into ultras. So that would only be about eight kilometers longer than a marathon. I just have to find a flat course. I was going to say, because aren't most ultras yeah. off-road? Mm-hmm. Which would know, be really somebody, dangerous. Somebody did say, let's bring this to Sulphur Springs, and I thought, no way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be dangerous because of roots and rocks and everything else. Absolutely. Um, as you as you know, I've learned my lesson. I did... Um, chilly half without a spotter uh broke my wrist there and so lesson learned um two lessons one uh get a spotter always and two um i I wore wrist guards and actually i felt much safer wearing wrist guards in italy a lot of the runners they wear a special headband and on the back of the headband it has a sponge so it's a very thick sponge if they fall and they hit their head they have a cushioning the, and, and, you know, if you were just running on the track, maybe that's not as big a deal, A, because the track is a little softer, but B, because mm-hmm. there's not so many people. When you're in this mass of bodies in the, around the bay, is that something you worry about? Absolutely. Um, and especially the first 10K, uh, it's a very crowded race. Uh, as you mentioned, 7,000 people out there. Um, uh, my comfort level increased after 10K, um, and I literally did not look backwards. I put my trust in Lee for 20 kilometers, and... And um, he was excellent with his communication and always right beside me. It was the first time I had a runner with me. The other times um, in the two marathons, I had cyclists. Uh, Cyclists can't get as close to you. Um, Runners can. And then also in the worlds uh, in in Europe, it's all on a track. And in the worlds, in the actual sport, um, you're not allowed to have a spotter. So your spotter is the line. You spot using the lines Mm. on the track. You've been doing this a long time, running, I mean, frontwards or backwards. You must know people. Did you go online Mm -hmm. after it was done and look up some of the people you knew to see if you'd beaten them with them going forwards and you going backwards? Uh, Just so you can needle them a little bit? (laughs) No, actually, it's great. Um, I don't wear a watch. Uh, And I actually said that to Lee right in in the corral. I said, Lee... By the way, I don't wear a watch. And he looked at me and goes, me neither. I said, and secondly, this isn't about finishing in what time. I don't care. I know that the cutoff is five and a half hours. I said, uh, thirdly, I will be hugging all the people I see. So when I see my mom and dad, I will hug them. When I see my friends, we're stopping and we're going to hug them. So, 
and that's exactly what I did, and he would hug them right after me. So it was great. It's not to me. It's not about winning. It's, that's not what this race is about. It's about being amongst people, challenging their bodies, and 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 in all sorts of ways, right? And, and next year in their goals. and next year inspiring the around the bay folks to include a new category of backwards yes. running. I think they should include backwards running. And I saw a friend of mine, uh, Julian, doing it in a wheelchair. He wheeled the whole day. And ne- and if you get bored of backwards running, we got to go. But if you get bored okay. of backwards running, crab walk for the whole thirty no, kilometers. There you go. Okay. <laughs> it may hurt the hands a little, but I mean, I, I don't. There's probably a sport out there of crab walk too, for all we know. Probably, probably. Cat Cluley, uh, congratulations on finishing once again. The time it was an incredible time. I would not have been able to do this on a bike in three hours, twenty two minutes, and fifty four seconds. You did it running backwards. Way to go! Thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you, too. Take care. Uh, okay? You can go and find a picture of Kat and see her and read about her. It was still up at thespec.com if you want to, but a uh, remarkable thing to do the entire 30K backwards. I will not be doing that, just in case anyone thinks, hey, maybe Scott's going to be inspired. No, no. No, no. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. And when you do drive my car, soon, if it's in Ontario, it'll have license plates that don't say yours to discover. It'll say something else. Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. Uh, news is out. Global News and the Toronto Star broke the story last week that the Ford government is looking at refreshing, cleaning up, brightening, choose your word, something light and fluffy and happy. Our license plates, well, yours to discover has been around since 1982, back in the Bill Davis days. I guess we've fully discovered Ontario now, and it's time to move on into something else. And so we're going to have new license plate mottos. And when I say mottos, that was not a slip of the tongue. Apparently, open for business is going to be on business vehicles. But on your car, on your whatever, your vehicle... Uh, They haven't decided yet, apparently, what it's going to be, but it's going to be something else. And I want to hear from you today. Numbers are 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Is this something we need to be doing? It seems to me that on the list of things that are essential and pressing and demanding of our time and attention, changing the motto on our license plate from something that seems perfectly fine to me is really unnecessary. I, I Honestly, if you had said to me, come up with your list of the top 500 problems facing Ontario, the license plate motto would not have been on the list. If you had said, come up with the top thousand problems facing Ontario, I'm quite confident I would not have come up with changing the motto on the license plate. If you had said, I could go on for it all night. If you had said, come up with the top 1500 things facing the people of Ontario that need to be dealt with, yours to discover getting rid of that and coming up with a new license plate, never would have considered it. I'm not sure that changing our license plate is really going to change attitudes. I'm not sure it's going to change anything. I mean, the idea even that of open for business, I, I get it. 
I get what Doug Ford, what Premier Doug Ford is all about. He wants open for business to be something that people recognize about this province. That's fine. That's a good thing. We do want to be open for business. And so if you want to put up a sign here or there, fine. But it, like, does anybody think that if we have license plates that say open for business and you're driving around with your work vehicle down in Ohio somewhere and the president of a major industrial company is driving beside you on the highway and he goes, Ontario, open for business. Huh. I think we should close our factory here and move to Ontario. They're open for business. I I, I don't think so. If that, if that president of that company is out there, oh man, we got to find that guy because he's dumb as a stump and naive as could be. We got to get him up here. Does anybody think that it is worth our time, worth our effort, worth the cost, worth the trouble to change our license plates? Is anybody having a hard time with yours to discover? I mean, beyond anything else, and let me give you the numbers again, 905-645-3221 or star 9900. I'd love to hear from you. Beyond anything else, here's the thing, yours to discover at a time when everybody is offended by something, everybody's offended by something, yours to discover seems to be about the most benign, inoffensive, everybody can agree that it's okay license plate motto that you could possibly have. So now we're going to come up with something else. Ontario. Land of the free. Well, that sounds too American. Okay. Uh, Ontario. We're great. Well, that's too pompous. All right. Let's say Ontario. I mean, come up with anything and you know all you're doing is opening a Pandora's box for everybody to fight about this. And suddenly, instead of something that is inoffensive and that we all don't even think about, it's just there and we're okay with it. We're going to start a fight over this. I I guarantee you we will start a fight over this. I guarantee you that whatever motto is chosen, there will be a fight. Guaranteed. Now, what I would like to see, not that I really want this, but just for the, I, I would love to see this just for the entertainment value is if the government came up with a license plate that they knew intentionally was going to bother people. Just to stir it up. Ontario, men are better. Just, just let's blow the whole thing up. Let's have a full on, and by the way, I'm not, you know where I come from. Uh, Ontario. I don't know. What's something else that I can actually say that, <laughs> Whatever. Almost for the entertainment value, you almost hope they come up with something that is so outrageous that it'll just make for good discussion for two or three or four months. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're talking about license plates. The province is saying that it's going to be changing our license plate. Yours to discover is passe. It's been around since 1982. That's 37 years now. Time to freshen things up a bit. During the break, Ben was saying, oh, you know, something like Ontario, Canada's best province. Okay, you know, that. all right. 
if we really want to needle the rest of the country, I'm all right with that. Uh, Craig sent in Ontario, taxed to the hilt. Don't think that's what they're going to choose. See, now here I would go with this. If they could give you personalized motto, so not just your like personalized plates, if you could have personalized mottos on there, that would be good. Yeah, you can yeah, you can have 144 characters just like on Twitter. Uh, another one, Ontario, stop texting. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's not a bad one either. Although you should probably but the license plate though, the wording is so small that instead of texting, you're pulling up to try and read what it says and you just end up rear-ending the car in front of you while you're trying to read his license plate. But what do you think about the idea? Cuz I'm looking at this thinking this is absolutely unnecessary, stupid, waste of time, and forgot to mention this. And this is kind of the biggest part of this. When they say we are going to change the logo, change the motto on the license plate, change the look of the license plate, what, what happens next? Well, you can't have your old license plate. You got to have a new one. And what does that mean? Well, now you've got to spend 110 or 150 or 200 bucks to go get a new license plate. So every car is going to have to pay to go get new license plates. That'll be fun. I mean, I suppose it'll keep the people in the penitentiary busy for a while, hammering them out. But we're suddenly now, because we have to have a new motto on our license plate, we're going to have to go and buy a new plate and spend a couple hundred bucks to do it. Come on. This is particularly egregious since this is the government that is telling us that it wants to keep our taxes down. It's for the people. (laughs) Yeah. Have you heard about the LRT? That would be, um, yeah. Uh, 905-645-3221, star 9900. What do you think about this idea? Do we need... Do do we need? No. The answer clearly is we don't need new license plates. We've gotten along just fine. I don't believe that anyone has suffered injuries, mental or physical, by our current license plate. But let's switch it then. Is a new license plate going to inject happiness and joy and unicorns and rainbows into our lives. Every time you see this new license plate, are you going to go, gosh, golly, gee, willikers, I'm so happy to be an Ontarian. Look at these exciting new license plates. I I don't think so. I think what we're going to say is, why the crap do I have to spend 200 bucks on a new license plate? My old one was perfectly good. Anne-Marie joins me now. Anne-Marie, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Are you excited about the new Ontario license plates, whatever they might be? Not at all. <laughs> I think yours to discover is, is Ontario. It, it, it works for us. I think if they're going to do anything with the license plates, they need to fix the, uh, the paint that they use because you see so many where the paint is peeling off. That's true. Our... Our criminals in our, our criminals in penitentiary aren't doing a good enough job making the glue or the uh, the paint stick. You're right. Uh, Anne Marie, look, I, probably uh, 
probably an environmentally friendly paint or something, but I suppose, you need but to be able to see it. <laughs> do you have any problem with yours to discover? Not at all. I think it works perfectly well for Ontario. There's have, lots to uh, to discover here. Have you ever even thought about the name on the license or the motto on the license plate? You know what? To be honest, I remember it being "Keep It Beautiful." And I kind of thought it was still that. <laughs> there you go. See, obviously these are not these mottos are not dictating how we live our lives. Anne Marie, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, look, welcome. I would. I bet you that if I had said, if I had asked people what was on our license plates, we would have got a few people who would have got it wrong. I, I'm I'm almost positive, and not because people are idiots, because who actually pays attention? So what's the point? There's enough things going on that unless we're trying to find a job for some minister of stupid duties, it's a new, it's a new minister. He or she wasn't the real bright one, so they gave them the, the minister of dumb stuff. What can you come up with that would drive everyone nuts? Hey, let's do license plates. Yeah. And then after this, I don't know, what, what will be the next thing? Let's change the name from OHIP to OHAP. Just to drive people nuts. We're going to call it OHAP. Why would you do that? Why not? It's OHAP. Lots of fun. Ontario Hospital Assistance Plan now instead of insurance plan. Whatever. Let's just keep changing stuff. Lots of stuff we can change and it's okay. This one just doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't get why we're doing it. That's all. I just don't get why. I don't get the need. I think we're totally fine with the license plates we have right now, and I don't want to spend extra money for a brand new one when I don't need one. My license plate currently is totally fine with about two inches deep worth of those little stickers on there from years and years and years. I don't want a new one. I'm going to be forced into it with some stupid new motto. Ontario. Yippee-ki-yay. I don't know. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me introduce to you a guy we have here every Monday at this time. His name is Don Robertson. He is a real estate agent with ComChoice Realty. He is a hockey guy with the Dundas Real McCoys when they're playing. And um, a golfer of note. Only of note by him. Not Mackenzie Hughes type of golfer. No. No. Mackenzie Hughes. Wow. On a roll. I had a nap yesterday afternoon. I never have a nap. I, I mean, I'll drift off. I'm watching TV for... Did you miss the 18th? For 10 minutes, for half an hour. But I never make a point of going up and lying down on the bed on a quiet afternoon and like really going to sleep. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my phone dings. And it was someone saying, are you watching Mackenzie Hughes? And sadly, I was not up until that point. But uh, what a what a performance by him. Yeah, he's uh, he's had two weeks in a row that have been very good, and you couldn't find him with a search warrant before that. He's got; the, they all have the skill. To oh win. yeah, if you're in the if you're on the PGA tour, you you can win. You can win, and he has, and he has. And uh, I read a bit about Matt. And for just before, just in case anyone doesn't know who we're talking about, yes. just for background, he is a Dundas kid. Went to Highland. Uh, Park High School, Highland Valley, Highland Park or Highland Valley? It was Highland at the time. Highland, just Highland. Now yeah. it's Dundas Valley. Uh, that's, that's where I'm getting all confused. It's ringing around in my head. But uh, And then he has uh, earned his PGA Tour card and is now playing on the tour and has won an event and played in the Masters and carry on. 
Canadian Open and yeah, he's played there. So yeah, then yeah. he'll be back in uh, back in Ancaster, close to home, uh, in June. Yep. Um, it'll probably take Mackenzie Hughes to get you tickets to the concert Friday night, but sold that's out. another story. Yep, yeah, no, sold out. He, uh, Noam Max, a great young man, and uh, he needed to straighten his game out. And by all accounts, I read a couple things online about him because I follow Mac. Um, he started talking to himself a little bit, which I do all the time. It doesn't seem to help me, but, you know, just calm himself down, get his head in the right spot, and seems to be working. And it looks like, I looked in the uh, Hamilton Spectator, which I'm familiar with, and uh, read a lot of wonderful writers, including you there, and he seems to be calling himself Mac Hughes again. Oh, is that right? So he went back to Mac. Went back to Mac. He was McKenzie, went to Mac, things didn't go well, went back to McKenzie, and things weren't going well. Now he's Mac. I don't know what's next. I hope he keeps doing well. How about just Kenzie? Sure. Or Husey. Well, I'm sure the other guys call him Husey. Everybody, you know, just. There's there's, always nicknames. And the nicknames in 2019 are generally terrible. It just, you just add a Y to whoever's last name, unless they've got a Y already on their last name, then you drop the Y and just make it an S. (laughs) So if it was Bobby, now you're just Bob's. Yeah. So I. I asked Scott, I said, I see you're sniffling a little bit. Oh. And for the ladies out there, it is true that when a man gets a sniffle, it's uh, in, in a man's world, not mine, because I know women are smarter than us, it equates to the same pain a woman has giving birth. I'm here. I'm here. I'm yeah. doing the show. Started I'm, off I'm, whining about it. Well, I'm just warning people that I okay. might sneeze into the microphone, and I want to give them fair warning that uh, whining off the air. Turn the volume down just a tiny bit <laughs> so they're not shocked beyond words. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, yeah, happy for Mackenzie because you're right. He has had a He's been in a slump. He has been in a slump, and he is a g- very good golfer. And he has been in a slump, and it's been a grind for him. And we'll see now if. Because he, uh, over the last year and a half or so, he's had a week where he played really well and then went right back into the funk again. We'll see if a couple weeks in a row, if the confidence gets going and the... For those that, uh, that, that care and for those that don't, you're going to hear it anyway, but I, uh, I didn't see a lot of it. I knew he was doing rather well and then I flipped the tube on and, and, uh, see he's doing very well. He was six under yesterday. So, um, he was right in the mix. And got in a little bit of trouble on the 18th, got in the rough, and then he was short of the green. The day before, he chipped in on the 18th, which really helped his game. And he tried to hit it into the side hill on the um, on the green and bump it up towards, and he scoots it across the green and ended up with a bogey on 18. If he doesn't do that, he he's uh, tied and heading to a playoff again. And the last and the time he won. With Graham, um, who the hell won it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He'd have been tied if he doesn't bogey. If he pars 18, be birdies 18, which... McDowell. McDowell. And the, the time that he won the tournament was in a playoff. Yes, it was. So he's, he's okay in playoffs, apparently. Um, let us go to the Leafs for a minute. The Leafs are playing right now. It, it, we're not going to talk about the playoff format again. We've talked about this before. Although I do want to mention that I thought it was very odd that prior to yesterday's games... In the NHL, the team that was in 15th place had clinched a playoff spot. The team that was in 5th place had not, which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But anyway, that is the NHL playoff format that we have, and so we... Yeah, but it was back in about 88. Um, I think it was around then. 
Anyway, the Leafs in Vancouver like have 58 and 59 points, and Buffalo have 80 points. Buffalo missed the playoffs, and the Leafs were in. So it has been imperfect for a long time. It just looked very odd to see the little X's beside yeah. the teams, and you've got Team 15 with an X and Team 5 that doesn't. And it's just because of the standings for those that are uh, the divisions. For those that are Lou Lamorello fans and uh, not John Tavares fans, the Islanders clinched a playoff spot before the Leafs. True enough. And the last two the Leafs are playing tonight. And having watched the Leafs play on Saturday against the Senators and lose to the Senators, the last place team for the second time in two weeks, and having watched the Leafs enough over the last few weeks, Don, is there? Any and they're going to play the the uh, the Bruins. The only way they don't play the Bruins in the first round, pretty much, is if Montreal is runs, if they miss the playoffs. Montreal runs the table the rest of their games, wins all the rest. The Leafs pretty much lose all the rest of their games, and then not only does Montreal pass Toronto and get the playoff spot, Toronto misses the playoffs altogether. Oh, then they don't play the Bruins. They won't play the Bruins. Then it's un- very unlikely. Get rid of the problem. It does get well, sort of. May it create another one. Is there, based on what you've seen, though, is there any uh, any legitimate reason to believe the Leafs will win a single game against the Bruins in the playoffs? Oh, sure, there is. I mean, they're very talented. They've got they've got goaltending. If Anderson can play up to his capabilities and have a good playoff run, and and goal, you can't win in the playoffs without good goaltending. So if Anderson can play the way he's capable of, he doesn't have to stand on his head, but if he's can play the way he's capable of. I think the shortfall here is, and this this in my mind will be the test, are the Leafs tough enough? And I'm not talking about dropping the mitts and knocking somebody out cold. Are they mean enough and can they be cruel enough to play against the Bruins? Because the Bruins will play for keeps. Chara, who's at the prime age of 83 years of age, is one mean defenseman. And if you're going to go strolling through the what we call the greasy area, the dirty area in front of the net, he's going to make you pay a price. And if they won't do that and take the chance, and if they won't play hard against March, Marchment and uh, Pacharelli and, and uh, that crew, they won't find success. So they're going to have to do things. I'm not going to say they can't do them, but traditionally during the regular season, you don't have to. I've just seen no evidence for the last month and a half or two months even, that when the Leafs are presented with a team that wants to play that style you just talked about, that they have had any success whatsoever. They, they, And I don't believe that teams at this level can just get to the playoffs and go, okay, now we're going to try. I, I, don't, I don't believe that's the case. I think that the Leafs have shown... They are a team that is great when you want to play wide open and let's just go. And and so I think the Leafs have a great opportunity if they face Tampa Bay. I don't, yeah. I, the part that I might not agree with is is the try part. The It's will they pay the price? Like they'll try hard enough. Oh, no, for sure. But for will sure. they pay that price that's going to be, and I'll tell you. Did I say try? I don't mean, no, I, I didn't mean. I think they'll give an effort for sure. Yeah. Of course they're going to give the but effort. Will they will they pay the price that's going to have to be paid to get by the Boston Bruins? And if they do, and this is part of the problem, not a problem, not a problem for me, but th- this is one of the issues. When you play a team like Boston that will play you hard and tough, the first round, if you get through it, 
there's going to be welts, and you're not going to be going into round two unscathed. The Boston Bruins will make the Toronto Maple Leafs play a very, very high penalty for getting by them. And if the Leafs will rise to that occasion, on a skill level, Toronto are probably a more skilled hockey team. Will they persevere and will they pay that price? I mean, I just left a client's house that's probably as big a Boston Bruin fan as uh, Bill Kelly, so we didn't talk about hockey before I left, thank goodness. But, like, they play mean, and they always have. They're like Philadelphia. I mean, when uh, the world-famous Don Cherry was there, they played tough. And and the one year Don Cherry's team, they had 11 20-goal scorers. I don't think you'll ever see that in the National Hockey League again. Stan Jonathan, who was an Allen Cup champion with me in Brantford with the Mots was one of them. He scored 27 that year. So they were as tough as nails and could play. I I hope, because I'm a Leaf fan, that they will rise to that occasion. But time will tell. Well, let me ask you another thing, because... Lately, anyway, it appears as though every goalie the Leafs face stands on his head. <laughs> it's like seven games in a row now. They've had 40 shots, and the guy looks like he's the best goalie ever. And at a certain point, my question always becomes, is it possible for a team to make the other goalie look good? And I think it is. I think the Leafs are somehow making other goalies look good by the way, either the way they're shooting the way where they're shooting from they're getting huge shot numbers but there's no way that you can have a stretch of bad luck where goalie after goalie after goalie after goalie all decides to have the game of his life in a row against you you know we talked about Mackenzie Hughes and the PGA and everybody on the PGA tour is capable of winning a tournament every goalie that's playing at the National Hockey League level is basically capable of stopping shots they can see and when I referred to earlier, are the Leafs going to be prepared to get into the greasy area and go through Chara and go through some of those hard-ass Boston Bruin defensemen and pay that price up? They're going to play on the perimeter. And this is where, where Toronto get tripped up a little bit. They like that They like that back door. They like the, the pretty goal. Well, you know what? In the playoffs, get some shots and make sure there's guys in front of you, in front of the goaltender, because if the goalie can see it, he's going to stop it and... They can have 85 shots, but if the goalie only has to be in position to stop them, nothing good's going to happen. When the Hamilton Bulldogs won the Calder Cup back in 2007, Carey Price was really good, and he was playing for Hamilton. But the defense they had, which was all six foot four and 220 pounds, every shot that Carey Price faced was from distance. And so he was stopping 45 shots a game, but they were all hitting him right in the crest. Because he had time and space and the ability to do it. And the only goals that were scored, and I remember plotting this one game, because I was thinking every shot, I drew a little map and where the shots came from. And if you drew from the goal line to the face-off circles to the middle of the blue line, you made like a home plate. Yep. There were no shots coming from in there. Well, it's the perimeter shots, right? They're the outside shots. And so you let them shoot till their arms fall off. So that's right. And if you're driving somebody to the net, banging in the rebounds, if there is one, and there's going to be the odd one, or you're in there and you can get a deflection. I mean, you look at the amount of goals in the National Hockey League that hit something and go by the goaltender who has no chance. But if you haven't got somebody in a greasy area to tip them, their defensemen aren't going to tip them because they're going to get out of the way. You're right. So it's not the shots, it's where the shots come from. And if you can keep them on the outside, a good goaltender is going to eat them up. 
I don't think, though, that there is one person, save for guys who are on the team and maybe their girlfriends and wives and mothers and fathers, I don't think there's one person who actually believes the Leafs are going to beat the Bruins, though. I really don't. I don't think that anyone, the way this has gone, if the Leafs win this series, it will be considered a monumental upset because everything that's happened for the last month and a half, two months, has screamed they're screwed. November, everybody thought they were going to win a Stanley Cup. And as it moves along, things get harder to do. What I find amazing is the fans that are saying, yeah, but we're playing without, no, the guy's kid's uh, name slipped my mind, without the the one defenseman and Gardner. Uh, That kid's back tonight. McDermott. McDermott. Gardner's back now. Or uh, McDermott's back now. Gardner will be back this week. You know, well, we haven't got Gardner in the lineup. Last year they were trying to, Get him out. They were trying to burn him at the cross. Well, then again, he had such a bad game in Game 7 and last year. And he wore it. He wore it, but yep. Uh, that that became a thing. Now, if the Leafs don't win this series, because they're going to be playing Boston, if they don't win. And nobody thinks they will. Nobody thinks the girlfriends they will. and moms. The, and as you say, though, correctly, at the start of the year, the Leafs were tagged as favorites yeah. to win the Cup with the talent they have and everything else. If they don't win this series... Is there any chance that Mike Babcock is in trouble, do you think? Zero. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If they go in there, I suppose it depends how the series goes. Leafs got a lot of money, but he's getting a lot of it. I suppose it it depends how the series goes, but if they get swept or if they don't look like they are, if their defensive breakdowns are so egregious, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that Mike Babcock loses his job right after the playoffs, but I think it puts him on a tight leash for the start of next year, and if that team doesn't look like they're doing something at the start of the year, I could see it. I really could. At the start of the year. As Desi Arnaz would say, Lucy, you've got some splaining to do. But I don't think that he has the... I don't think he has a lot of time next fall, and it wouldn't be just on wins and losses. It's how are you winning and losing. Yep, I agree. I agree. Ultimately, there's going to have to be uh, an accountability at that position. And then what? Because he hasn't won a playoff series in a decade. At least. Because the last three or four with Detroit were losses. Uh, He has gone a long time without winning a single playoff series. That's a long time for the best coach in hockey. The alleged best coach in hockey. And and I'm not not taking shots at Mike Babcock. He's a good coach. There's no question he's a good coach. But at some point, it, you do have to win. It'll be interesting if, if they got swept. It'll be interesting if the comments are, well, you know what? We knew we needed a right-handed shot defenseman or two. And if you start lashing out at your boss, and that's what that would be, you know, we knew, we talked about it, we needed a right-handed shooting solid defenseman, and we didn't get it. That's a shot at Dubas. And if he, if he decides to go down that route, the rope gets a lot shorter. And the noose noose will get tighter. What happened to the other coach in the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Empire last year? Yeah. When the Raptors got to the playoffs and got swept by LeBron, when they had had a first-place finish in the season and looked like they were ready to take a step, and then it blew apart. You would not have thought that Dwayne Casey was necessarily a guy whose job was in danger. No, and it was. And he was gone. Yep. And he finished first. He had a a first-place finish in the regular season. Had no... 
real, if you think back to last year, he had no stretches like Babcock has had with the team this year where no. they've got, he had a couple games here or there, but that but was But he it. didn't get along with the GM and they weren't on the same page and that doesn't help. Do you think that Dubas and Babcock get along? They not if they can beat four straight, they're not on the same page. They keep saying how much they get along, but I don't know. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. In studio with Don Robertson. And I must say, Don, you look very spry this evening for a guy who was up at four to be first in line at the first marijuana store this morning. That was you, right? That was me. Yeah. yeah. I'd be the first crack at it, and I'm sure not going to start at four in the morning. I'm not sure that if I was the guy, because he was on our newscast here, I'm not sure if I was the guy who had got up to get to the store at, to be the very first one. Didn't they camp out? Are you, are you talking about Hamilton now or Burlington? I was in Burlington. I'm just not sure that that's really the claim to fame I want to have. Well, I would be convinced, and I don't hang around with a lot of potheads, but I, I, I might guess he was just coming from the sub shop. He may maybe. not have been home. I may have just been a stroll to, maybe. to refuel. And I don't know that he's a pot. I mean, we don't know anything. I just, I'm saying, for me, if I was going to go, I'm not sure that when history records who was first, that that's where I want my name. You know, it's one thing to wait in line to be first to see Star Wars. It's not like he's Neil Armstrong. Or on the moon. Or to get first into the X. I, I, I just don't know. But you know what? Maybe each to their own. If you're going to be famous for something, if you've got a goal in life, perhaps he's achieved it. Uh, speaking of a goal that was achieved, the opposite of that happened this weekend. The Canadian Women's Hockey League folded, announced it was folding, and has shuttered six teams. Um, caught everybody apparently off guard. And, I, and yet, Don, I'm not sure that I think that everybody should have been caught off guard. And I think the timing perhaps surprised everybody, but I went today and I, I'd seen some games. And the final, the championship was on last weekend and they got a good crowd and they had, I think the TV numbers were like 175,000 people. There were there was an audience for it. But I went back and started looking at game sheets. And for the Toronto Furies, who were one of the teams in this, the Toronto Fury, the biggest city in Canada, greater Toronto area, six and a half, roughly million people. They had games where they drew 120 people. You can't run a professional league of any kind if nobody is coming to your game. If you're having to pay your players, you can't do that unless you have a big TV deal, a massive sponsorship, or you have people in the audience. And if you've got nobody coming out to the games... It can't have been a surprise that this league was going to be in trouble. My question is, we've seen the Olympics, that there is an appetite and an audience for women's hockey. We've seen when they play the championship game and they put it on TV, there's an appetite for hockey, for women's hockey. Why can a league like this not make it go just day to day? Why? Where is the? Where are the people to support this? Well, um, the Olympics are the Olympics, right? It's the same as the World Junior Tournament. I mean, it's, it's a one-off. It's an anomaly that works. And it's a condensed roster of the best players. So, yeah. So let's assume that, for the most part, the lion's share of all six teams are stocked with Canadian players. So you've got one team that gets watered into six teams. So the hockey... It's at, it, well, it's at, but mo- many of the Americans, many. So it's, it's probably one and a half to Well, but there's two. an American league. There's a rival league in the States with five teams. Yeah, but they don't have as many Olympics. There were a bunch of them that were up here. But I, your point is, it, it gets watered okay. and spread out. 
So let's say you can make two really good teams. Yep. So the caliber would not be quite as strong. If that's the basis, then explain how the OHL draw 10,000 people in Kitchener and, and uh, London all the time, and that's not the World Junior Team. So the appetite for the competition isn't there. Uh, the part that I, w- when you say I'm really surprised at the timing, well, they certainly wouldn't do it before their championship. No. So they're going to do it afterwards. And if you look at the business model of it based on attendance, which you've done some research on and so on. So if your attendance isn't strong, that attendance will drive the appetite of sponsors because they want some exposure. So then it gets down to basically the business model isn't there because they're traveling to Montreal, they're traveling to traveling to Calgary. I traveling mean, to China. Yeah, but China were China were giving in excess of a million dollars towards sponsorship to the league. And I understand that China are thinking about starting their own league because the Olympics are going to be over there. And so they're going to have a their own house league and say, why don't we pour our money into our product? So if that's the case and you lose that kind of a sponsor. So now it gets down to people that really like the product. And I, it's not for me to judge women's hockey because of, uh, because of Fran Ryder, it's come so long and so far in the last 40 years. But now you get down to hopefully um, aunts and uncles and fathers and mothers that want to be major contributors to see it through because it's not it's not going to be a gate-driven league. Even if, there, if, if it's a pro league with that kind of travel, you're going to need – Three or four thousand per game, and 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 there's been no surprise. If you're going to base it on that, you would say, why didn't this happen eight years ago? So when things like that carry on with the business model they've had, sometimes we assume they're going to carry carry on for forever. And uh, so you need some deep pocketed sponsors that are doing it for the love of the game, not to get anything back out of it, not to get a damn thing out of it, other than the love of the game. And, I think I'm talking about senior hockey operators. Well, they had one, and, and he apparently, there was something that changed his mind and that he pulled out, and that really was seemingly the last straw. But again, I go back, women's sports in general have had a really hard time, a lot of the time. The WNBA, uh, Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, which works and contributes and helps with the NBA, he says they're losing ten to twelve million dollars a year. They're every year. This is if if, if the NBA was not involved, this league is toast. Yeah. Uh, there have been women's baseball leagues that have started and folded. There has been a women's soccer. The, after the nineteen ninety nine World Cup, the one in Los Angeles where Brandy Chastain scored in the penalty kick and then ripped her shirt off with the sports bra picture that became very famous. There was so much excitement for women's soccer. Based that, on the goal or the shirt ripping? Everything. Yep. But but they filled Los Angeles Coliseum. 110 or whatever thousand people were there to watch this thing. And they had investors that put $100 million into a women's soccer league. In three years, that money was gone and the league was dead. For whatever reason, women's sports has had an impossible or almost impossible time. And not all women's sports. I mean, tennis obviously does well. Figure skating does well. Gymnastics does well. LPGA does fine. It's not as... Ish. But it, it, it competes with the, the um, not the Masters, the championship series, the older guys. It, 
you can put that in the, I would say, one step down. I mean, women's tennis yeah. is right there. Yeah, it is. Women's gymnastics is better than men's gymnastics. Women's figure skating, more people probably would watch that over men's figure skating. There are a bunch of sports. But other ones, they have such a hard time getting an audience. And I'm not, I have theories, but I'm not entirely sure why. Well, I, it's played at, from what I understand, I think the, the, the women's Olympic team to get ready played midget AAA teams and junior teams. So if that starts putting it into perspective of the caliber of it, but and I've said this for 100 years, you can have an Adam hockey game, and if both teams are really good, you can fill any rink and it's an exciting game. And they well, look at the Quebec Pee Wee tournament. Yes, so they haven't seemed to been able to uh, that league catch lightning in a bottle. And if they're telling you that there's 120 people there, there's probably 60 because they won't even put down 60. Well, many many of the games had no attendance listed, not even a number put beside it. So you're not getting enough people to have a game of bridge. You're not having friends and family and. And it's and it's uh, and it's a shame. It's a shame because yes, w- I when agree. You, when you see, okay, women's. I'd hockey, love to see it thrive. Women's hockey is not the same as men's hockey. It is not the same as the NHL. Nobody is sitting here trying to convince you that what you're seeing with your own eyes is not true. It's not. It's not the same. But it has grown by leaps and bounds in recent years. Back to my Adam comparison. If if the game is good, and it's competitive, it's always fun to watch. I mean, it can be bad. It can be bad, but if it's competitive and it's fun, it's fun to watch. Pardon me. Then it can thrive. But there has to be an interest. And here, here are some people are suggesting that the play. This might be the play that now with this league gone, whams up. That the American League, the the team, the league in the states, NWHL, that has five teams. That if you cherry pick. A couple teams in Canada and the three best in the U.S. There may be some casualties like there was when the WHA and the NHL. Uh, well, the WH, or NHL absorbed the WHA. They don't want to call it a merger. That if you can have five really good teams or six really good teams because the NHL survived with six for a number of years, then the National Hockey League might step in and say, now we can support one of the leagues. My understanding is they didn't want to pick one of the two leagues, Yep. but if there's only one, so maybe women's hockey, maybe they had to take a step backwards before they could take a giant leap forward and the NHL treated like the WNBA is treated by the yes. NBA. and I agree with everything you said but one thing, and it's not a disagreement, you can have all that stuff, but if people won't go to the games... It doesn't matter if Bill Gates is supporting this league. Eventually, he's going to get tired of losing money. People have to... We hear all the time, people say, oh, we need equal opportunities for women, which of course we do. Of course we do. But to stand on the sides and say, this is unfair. Women have never had it. They don't... Look, this league folded. It's not fair to women. And you say to them, did you ever go to a game? That's right. And they say, well, no. Well, you then don't have a right to say anything because you're part of the problem. Well, and, and, and to say, well, the, if the NBA are throwing 
10 to $12 million. And again, by the way, I'm not saying that necessarily the people living here because we didn't have a team here. I'm talking about the people of the cities where the teams were, but continue. Well, yeah, and it's hard to matter in Toronto. It real, There's an East, East Coast League hockey league team, and, and uh, Kerry Kaplan runs in Brampton. And it's hard to get traction with all the major sporting but events. But this is different because all Absolutely the little girls different. that play hockey that are playing Adam and Pee Wee and Banta. They're not going. But that, surely you can, I understand, like Kerry's team, the ECHL League, you're now competing with all the other men's teams. You're competing for the same fans. Here you've got a chance to get a whole different fan base, and somehow they still aren't being able to do it. Here's where I hope, if the National Hockey League step in and they say, we're going to be a part of this, we want to see it succeed, and there's an NHL network, maybe they can get some television, but you've got to get somebody to buy an ad. But if, if... one of the thought process, processes is, and I think it would be wrong, is that if the National Hockey League come in and support it, all of a sudden that will give it credibility and people will come. People in Toronto said for years, if MLSE buy the Argos with their marketing machine, you know, so you got the Toronto FC that draw very well in their own, in their own um, uh, pod, if you will. They've got tremendous backing. The Reds have got tremendous backing. The Marlies are doing better. So MLSE have the Midas touch. And they own the Argos. And the Ar- the Argos aren't drawing any better with MLSE owning them than if you and I owned them. And if anybody thinks that the National Hockey League will be that magic bullet to fill the rink, I saw, <coughs> pardon me, I saw a post today from a guy that's involved in junior hockey who has two girls playing um, uh, minor hockey. And he had an interesting stat. He said, if they put my daughter's registration up by $25, that would create, across Ontario, that would create almost a $2 million bank in money that they could do it. But as he pointed out, that's still not the answer. Those girls' teams are going to have to start going to the games. And I think you touched on it, that with the number of girls' hockey teams and women's hockey leagues, so if they're not going to support it, I don't know. I think that's their base. That's, like, that's not, like that's not kitchen, exclusively it, no, but, but yes, but you have to. But, it's, but they're not going at all. And then if they're, they're not, not going. They're not showing up. Like So the Kitchener Rangers, the, the um, Hamilton Bulldogs, they hammer minor hockey. They they have minor hockey nights. They have tight games between games. They pound away at it to, to hopefully get enough eyeballs on the product that they'll come back when their kids aren't playing. It's a it's it's a time proven yep. way to do it. The women's league either haven't done it or if they've done it, nobody cares. And if nobody cares, they're in deep doo doo. Everything else is superfluous, not superfluous, but it's all, you have to have people in the arena who care about this or else nothing else matters. And and right now they don't, and they haven't, and it's unfortunate because, as I say, I've been to some games, the hockey is very good. The hockey is so far ahead of where women's hockey was. Again, it's not the NHL, and if the idea is that I can't support this because it's not the NHL, well, you're missing the point. That means you couldn't support really any women's sports because... Physiologically, women and men are not the same thing. I mean, you couldn't watch the women's 100 meters at the Olympics because they're not as fast as Usain Bolt. You couldn't watch women's basketball because they don't dunk like whoever. It's not the same. It's not apples and apples. And so where they have come in the game itself, anyway, it's... it's. I don't know how they've marketed it. 
but the point not well is well enough, obviously. But if if they've if they've tried to bring the young girls out to watch because they can probably better relate to it than a lot of people, if they've tried all that and it didn't work, perhaps they haven't tried it, or if they haven't, they haven't done a good enough job of doing it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Don, we got a few more minutes here. I wanted to ask you this. This is the anniversary today of the 30th anniversary of the first championship by the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys. Remember the – and the, the thing about them was that they would do anything to win. It didn't matter. You want to drive to the basket, I'll clothesline you, I'll slug you in the face. It doesn't matter. We will do anything to win. I love that. Would you do anything to win? Yes. Anything? Yes. Anything? Yes. If well, that's you, not that's not true. If I mean, you I, found I, out that one of your players was injecting steroids, would you do anything about that? I'm just kind of come up with examples of something. When you say anything, yeah, as long as it's not going to affect my family. If you're talking about the sport itself, I've overlooked some things. And one, of course, I would. Would you cheat to win? Yes. Have you cheated to win? Yes. How recently? Started in 1987. <laughs> if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Was anybody else cheating at the same time, do you think? I have no idea. They didn't do as well as I did. <laughs> I don't, uh, I, I'm not even going to apologize for it. Absolutely, I'd cheat to win. And our fans would love it. Our fans have made up stories that aren't even true that they thought we were cheating. And you're okay with that? Well, we're there to win. We didn't come to bake a cake. It's true. Right? I mean, that's what you're there for. That's what your fans expect. If you're not doing absolutely everything you can, and if you have to do everything you can within the rules and you don't think that's going to work, then you know what? Maybe we'll step outside for a minute and see if this is going to work. If you had found out that another team that you were competing against had done the same things as you did, what would you have done? Protested. So you've done can, that too. So you can give it. You can take. You can give it. You just can't take it. I'm sure. If, I'm sure if they knew what I was doing, they'd have protested. So you got. You, you just got to be really good at it. <laughs> and it sounds like you're pretty good at it. Well, I've never been caught until now. <laughs> I didn't tell you what I did. That's true. That is true. You want to tell us? <laughs> I'll tell you one story. What's that? Uh, in 1987. <laughs> 86 or 87, we were playing Newfoundland and Brantford for the Allen Cup, and, and, and so they had their own dressing room. And we were sitting around having a bunch of tea after the game, and I went to the rink rat, and I said, I need to get in their room because uh, as a former referee, I had a stick gauge, and you couldn't have illegal sticks. So we wandered in and uh, to their dressing room, which was locked up tight, but the arena had to have a key in case it was a fire. So I, I went in with, with, uh, with a wingman, and measured all their sticks. So, and we had a list of who had illegal curves in their sticks. And did you use it in the game? Of course we did. And did they get a penalty? Yes, they did. And you score? Yes. And you win that game? Won an Allen Cup. So it had to be 87. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Well, what do you want, blood? No, I, I, that's a good start. I'm sure if they could have got into my room, they'd have done the same thing. Next week? Ask me if I feel bad. Do you feel bad? I'm still wearing the ring. Next week, further confessions with Don Robertson. I'll, I'll actually wear a collar next week, <laughs> so Don can feel even more comfortable confessing to his uh, his sins. And you know what? If anybody doesn't like that, I don't care. I don't cheat at real estate. I'm as straight as an arrow there, but hockey's different. We'll pick this up next week. It's a good one, Don Robertson. Thanks for coming in.
Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it worked out well for you. <laughs> the Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.